Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, episode 123. As usual, we are pushing the limit of technology and our brain power as we try to figure out what is going on in our little tiny office slash studio slash Seat Time shenanigans place of awesomeness. So that's what's happening. Again, Tuesday night, we would love to say that it's 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, but it's not. It's 8.08 p.m. Central Standard Time here in Texas. So we're a little bit behind schedule. We apologize for that. What are you guys watching? You're watching Seat Time. So at Seat Time, we are the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. If you enjoy anything that has to do with dirt bikes, ATVs, UTVs, being a mud flea, possibly, if you're of age, consuming adult beverages, or if you're not, then, you know, having a good water and some milk in there to make sure your uh, body's doing itself good. We appreciate you being here. If not, tell all your friends about us, please. We would love for them to join us live and if not they can find us archived for those of you who cannot find it live remember we are archived on the site which is seattime.co we are on itunes and stitcher and of course youtube if you just want to go watch the video after the fact those are all fun for everybody big thanks to our sponsors you should go check them out at all of their websites uh fly racing so flyracing.com is where you can find them again big supporters of seat time and they support the pintful of awesome award which we of course we will be giving away a little bit later. Uh, other fine sponsors that we do have for you guys is our fine folks over at RidePG.com. <coughs> they help keep your bike looking good, help keep you looking good. And uh, what's fun, too, is you can get all kinds of goofy little stuff done, too. The stickers, car wraps, bike stuff. Um, you can get posters, billboards of, I guess, non-billboard normal size. But maybe if you wanted, like, something bigger or a banner at a race and you know, just want to call it a billboard... I'm sure RidePG could figure out a way to make it for you. Call it Bolt On. Tell them Seat Time sent you. There's a discount code. It's Seat Time. One word. And it's easy to use. Save yourself some money when purchasing from those guys. And, of course, still will performance. Pretty much 90% of the people out there riding around think that the clickers are going to do, you know, really, really a good job for them with suspension. And sometimes that's just not the case. And calling the guys over at Stillwell Performance, get in touch with them on their website, tell them that Seat Time sent you. So you're going to get a discount because of that. And you're going to get some great infight in, wow, some great info from those guys on how to make your suspension better. And possibly even you would prefer to send them your suspension and have them do all the tuning for you. That is it. Love those guys. Thank you for supporting Seat Time. Thank you, everyone who is tuned in, who is watching. Um, we were trying to have Ginny Taft uh, from uh, SX on Fox, if you will, uh, on this evening. It looks like she's actually going to be on next week, so that's going to be cool and fun and uh, different. I don't really know, but it'll be interesting. So, okay, welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Episode 123, as I was talking about, it's Texas, and with Texas... We have a very large ego. We don't think we do. That's just what a lot of people say about us for some strange reason. But because of that, when we have Texas races, I like to talk about them. And I've been doing a poor job of that. I'll admit it. And so this evening, we've got a race coming up this coming weekend. And uh, Chuck Long Longhenry, who is the promoter of that event, which is the Redneck Roundup Dose, is this weekend in St. Joe, Texas. And he is going to talk to us about the upcoming race. So... Mr. Chuck Longhenry, how is your evening going, kind sir? 
Hey, Woody, how's it going, buddy? Oh, man, you know us, just hanging out, having a little bit of seat time, if you will. A pint full of awesome. Bam! Unfortunately, my pint full of awesome is halfway across the room, and Steven has it over there. But uh, at some point in time, I'll be able to get it from him. So, dude, what's going on? What are you up to this evening? Well, we're just we're just getting ready for the race, you know, getting all the last-minute stuff done. Uh, we're going to open the gates Friday morning. Um, practice Saturday, racing on Sunday. Cool. Now, if I remember correctly, this is actually... This is happening this weekend, but this was a pre-scheduled race that was supposed to happen uh, with the, the typical Toro season, but it got rained out because of all the water in the parking garage, or where the parking was. I was going to say parking garage, but even though we're in Texas, we don't have that nice of races. Um, That's right. Ross Perot might have money, but not the state of Texas. So kind of kind of fill us in on some of the stuff that has anything changed since the race that was supposed to happen uh, back in February or you guys kind of kept it the same you know kind of give us an update on what we're looking for this weekend well what what happened in February was we got an unusually large amount of rain um, it didn't affect the track so much but it did affect the parking um, there were issues that that we felt that it would be difficult getting uh, the larger motorhomes in and out uh, because of the wet mud. Um, so Toro decided that we would reschedule the race and uh, rescheduled it for this weekend. Uh, we've gone in, uh, or the landowners gone in, uh, regraded the roads, uh, and they are going to be perfect. We were out this weekend. It rained on Sunday. Uh, we drove around the entire property and had no problems getting around, so it's race weekend. That's awesome. I am, I'm uh, actually quite jealous. I thoroughly enjoyed this event last year when we were out there uh, at this property. Now, for those of you who are like, Redneck Roundup, what is this? Well, it's kind of a tie-in from what I believe to the Redneck with Paychecks that goes on. Uh, it, it used to be a yearly thing, and I think it happens quite a, quite a few times this year. I know they just had... Rednecks with, cha- spa- uh, Rednecks with Paychecks Spring Break. Is that right, Stephen, that we were watching last week? So you just go ahead and Google. Oh, it's Google Ford Raptor. What's the Google uh, Google Rose of Ford Raptor from last Ford year? Ford Raptor Jump. Ford Raptor Jump. And that is at the, this event last year when a dude jumped his brand-new Ford Raptor over one of the doubles on the motocross jump and overjumped it by at least the length of his truck. So he just flat-bottomed the you know, out of it. And uh, unfortunately, those guys had been consuming and doing stupid things, which, of course, we do not think you should be doing. And they did have to go to the hospital. So if you want to Google Ford Raptor Jump, you will learn what not to do while enjoying a pint full of awesome. You want to find a good campfire and stuff like That's that. That's right. So well, you had a lot of, of deaths last year. There was a, the wall of death, the pit of death, other things of death. So what, what do some of the racers have to look forward to this year? Well, we we tried to keep in the same spirit as we had last year. You know, we, we tried to just make it a little different. We named our blue lines, and we thought it would be funny to name everything of death. Like you said, the wall of death, the rock pile of death, uh, the viper pit of death. Um, we kind of got some feedback that uh, wasn't very positive about the <laughs> of death name. It seemed, so did it, did it come across negative? Did people think it was a negative <laughs> connotation? <laughs> There, there was a little bit of negativity to that, but uh, so this year we've uh, we've gone with everything is of pain, uh, the viper pit of pain, the wall of pain, the sand bowl of pain, 
the Grand Canyon of Pain. Um, Which one is the big drop-off in the creek? What's that one called? That, that is the Viper Pit of Pain. Is that? But you guys had the that you had the Viper Pit last year, didn't you? That's correct. We had a Viper Pit that was smaller. Uh, last year's Viper Pit uh, was about a four and a half to five foot drop in um, off of a horseshoe shaped rock ledge. Uh, this year's it's about ten feet to ten and a half feet. Um, go big or go home. This year, all the obstacles or blue lines. Um, are man-made, or not man-made, but natural-made um, parts of the terrain, and uh, and they're incredible. Yeah, they are a lot of fun. When we were getting ready for this event previously in, in February, uh, a buddy of mine, Austin, and I got to go out there and do a lap, and it was a lot of fun. We really, really enjoyed the course. Um, I know that you guys have probably had a chance to make even more adjustments. I know Toro had a couple issues with some of the lines and stuff like that, but you know, they're, they're the governing body. That's kind of what they're supposed to do. And we need to make it rideable and fun for all. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit. So it's race-toro.org. Is that correct? Is that the website where people could go to find more information? Correct. It's uh, race-toro.org, or they can find uh, Texas Off-Road Racing on Facebook. Uh, there's numerous flyers. Uh, the videos are up there. Um there's actually two maps, one of the peewee track and one of the big track, uh, the big bike track. Uh, the big bike track's right at 9.9, 9.8 miles long. Uh, the peewee track's just over a mile long. And when we built the peewee track, uh, we were trying to keep in mind that, you know, these little guys like to ride too, so we tried to fashion it after the big bike track. So instead of it just being a flat race around trees, there's a lot of little elevation changes, um, little branches, little rocks for the guys to go over, uh, 65s, 50s, just to have a good time out there with them. And is everything for the little kids like of unicorn love and, uh, and, and fart rainbows so parents That's don't right. think that uh, everything is out there for their kids to get all up into dangers with the, of pain? That, that, that's right. For the kids, it's the Skittle Dragon. And, uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. you got to make sure that the parents are happy because if, if parents ain't happy, then we know Mama ain't happy. If Mama ain't happy, well. That's right. The, the other thing with the uh, peewee track is that uh, it's very accessible for the parents. The parents can get to 90% of the track um, so that they can go all over and watch the kids everywhere they go. Very cool, very cool. All right, so gates open at on Friday at what, about 5 o'clock? No, we'll, we're going to open the gates early. Uh, we'll probably open them around 7, 8 in the morning Friday because I know a lot of people want to come out early. So we're going to open them up then. Um, we'll still have, you know, we'll still be out and around, probably working, getting last-minute stuff done, but people are welcome to come out. Uh, camp all weekend. Uh, they come out early. We'll probably give them a, a roll of banner or ribbon and tell them to get to work. So. Now, uh, and I don't, I don't uh, mean to cause trouble, because that's not what I'm here for. But at the same time, even though so the gates are open on Friday, but Toro doesn't technically take over till Saturday morning. So that's, if you were out there on Friday and you wanted to do stuff that might, you know, maybe like a campfire or other shenanigans that are legal under Toro's rules, 
on Friday, they might, if nobody was looking, be possible. Well, that's true. Toro takes over the track uh, Saturday morning. Um, Friday nights are, you know, come out, relax. We've got plenty of burn barrels out there. Um, have a good time and get ready for some great, great racing. Very Red cool. Bulls coming out. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of giveaways this year. Uh, we've got Spider Graphics is giving away a full set of graphics. Um, KTM North America sent us a whole box of things to give away, which, by the way, um, we're doing something a little different with the giveaways from KTM. So most of the time, the fast guys, first, second, third, and the pros, they get all the medals and stuff. Well, this year, we have a whole box of giveaways to give to the last place rider in each class. So the the deal is you have to finish the race. A DNF doesn't count. And if you do, you get a great prize. It's either a tie-down straps, uh, shock doctors, um, a KTM toolkit, hats, just cool stuff from KTM. Very cool. Well, very neat. I think, Stephen, do we have the teaser video ready to go? All right. Well, cool. This is a teaser video that Steven made. Um, you guys might have seen it on YouTube, but we're going to play it again here just so it's included in the video. And then when that gets done, we'll get uh, the pertinent information from Chuck and wrap it up and move on to some fun. All right, Steven. <laughs> shot last year while I was out there. I raced the sportsman class, had a lot of fun, and shot video during the long program um, last year for that. Unfortunately, we're going to be at the GNCC this coming weekend in South Carolina at Big Buck, so we're not going to be out there filming again this year, but hopefully somebody is going to be out there. So Chuck, tell us again, race-toro.org and open practice on Saturday and racing on Sunday. Does that sound That's about correct. right? That's right. Uh, racing starts at 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Um, practice opens at I think 10 till 3 if I'm not mistaken um, depending on how the track holds up Toro said they may hold, let it stay open an hour or so longer um, but it all depends on how everything holds up after practice it's true yeah because we've got so much more daylight and then the, the peewees are going to be a are the peewees uh, being pushed back an yes. hour on Saturday is that correct 
That's correct. I forgot to mention that the the uh, the peewees are moving instead of racing at three o'clock. We'll, we'll be starting at four o'clock uh, this weekend. Cool. Well, dude, we appreciate you coming on the show, uh, getting everybody out there a little bit more knowledge of Texas racing. Um, I know it amps me up. I really wish we could be there this coming up weekend because it is a lot of fun. Get uh, Stephen out there on his UTV tearing some stuff up. He'd be like, brah, 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 brah. but soon. <laughs> soon yeah well you are you gonna are you gonna race absolutely i've got a uh there's several classes that have championships on the line Uh oh well cool well you go out and win yourself one and we appreciate you coming on the show and telling us all about it all right well thank you for having me on woody absolutely dude have fun be safe and we'll talk to you later all right buddy later all right, so as we go from one conversation to the other, it's been an interesting evening. For those of you who haven't seen behind the scenes kind of what we do, so that was one of our fun Skype conversations. Now we've got a Google Hangout going on with Brad Bakken and Zach uh, Zach Huberty in the background going on behind there. So it's quite interesting and quite uh, fun the way we've got all this stuff going on. That's what Steven's for. Steven makes sure we have all the cool stuff happening as we get all this stuff going. Now, he's going to keep pushing pushing buttons and get everybody set up. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about a little bit of fly racing. So, for those of you who do not know, fly racing is definitely a very, very large supporter of Sea Time, which we very much appreciate. And because of that, we always like to tell you about them. As I can't even bring stuff up, man. I'm like all over the place. Um, so, the, I like to talk about the award that they're going to be giving away for the Pintful of Awesome Award. And that award is the Neat Freak Backpack. And with that, let's see, i got to find her backpack. So, you go to the website flyracing.com, and in the nav, you can find casual, and under that is backpack. Now, what they do have here is the first one on there, so you click on it, Neat Freak Backpack. All right, cool. It's black and gray. It's kind of sexy looking. Um, it looks like it's just a just a nice little backpack. Got some side pockets to keep yourself organized, some front pockets, um, and it looks like it may have a fun way to have some MP3 protection. That's nice. That's nice. Let's see what it says. So, bitchin' zippers, multi-level compartments, uh, MP3 protective pocket, internal organizer pocket, and stretch mess sleeves, water-resistant, fleece-lined sunglass compartment. That's actually pretty cool. Uh, a separate side padded entry laptop compartment. Oh, so you can put your laptop in from the side, and it's padded. Digging, digging that. Unique hat clip. I guess that's so you could take your hat off, kind of clip it on there. A stealth waist belt. Now, that's interesting because of the fact that I wouldn't have thought of it as, like, stealthy. But sometimes you get a lot of crap in your backpack, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this thing's so heavy. Well, if you get a weight belt on, a waist belt, it kind of helps with that. But if it's more stealthy, you don't feel as geeky walking around and not using it. Um, then, of course, printed and embroidered logos and graphics. So that's because it's fly racing. You know it looks good. The graphics are going to be awesome. And with that, it's going to look good with all of the bag and all the good stuff going on. So can't say thank you enough to Fly Racing for their help and support of seat time. And uh, that is what... Our Pineful of Awesome winner is going to be winning here in a little bit, uh, and it will be fantastic for them. So what do you think, Stephen? How's it looking over there? Well, Brad's disconnected and got reconnected. I can't unmute Zach for some reason. We can't unmute Zach. Well, while he keeps pushing buttons, let's just talk to Brad. Brad, how's your evening going? Dig it, dig it. Oh, yeah. Tell me My... about that pink room. Oh, it's it's awesome, and I was actually just um, on Desiree's laptop, and it died 
as soon as she started doing the fly racing commercial, so we grabbed another laptop that she had and turned that one on and got her back going. So nice. we were ready to go. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. And did you have any uh, updates on that one? Um, I did. We had to install the new plug-in also, so we were kind of scrambling, but we got it working. You guys are we're good. Go. You guys are good. Oh, I yeah. like it. So are oh, we yeah. uh, squared away? To con- hey, Zach, are you there too? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, my gosh. Everybody clap for Steven. I'm super impressed. You have no idea what this guy is doing right now. We need to have another camera just so when shit hits the fan, I can, I can switch it to him, and you can see how red he turns and how fast he moves without knocking a single thing over. It's very impressive, and we definitely appreciate Yeah, he is. He is he, yeah, I have all this room over here, but unfortunately, he's definitely kind of squished in there. So... Exciting things are happening in the world of the National Enduro Series. Not only did Mr. Zach Huberty, with his uh, website, Innovation Off-Road, he has been bringing us fantastic coverage from the races that we typically haven't had. We've seen a couple pictures here or there. Well, different people have been out at the races, but luckily now we're getting stuff on a daily basis at the races. So things that happen Saturday with interviews and pictures he's done, and then, of course, things from Sunday. This past Sunday, he even got a chance to ride. So it'll be neat to hear his perspective, not just from the media side, but as well racing it. Now, Mr. Brad Bakken, who is well on the Hangout with us, he got his best finish to date for this season so far in 2014 with his second overall. So we're going to have his um, take on the event. Um, now, now, you guys tell me. I heard that the traction was fantastic and that it was an awesome race. That is how I want you. That's, that's what I lead you with. You tell me. You fill me in from there. Uh, go ahead, Brad. All right. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty dang good. It rained Thursday and a little bit Friday, and um, I heard it was pretty dusty and dry before that, so they definitely needed the rain and definitely helped out a lot. Um, there was definitely some slick spots and some puddles and stuff, but for how much it rained, it was actually pretty dang good. It was by far the best Tennessee race I've raced, but it is kind of um, hard because I did well, so obviously I liked <laughs> right? it. So, <laughs> but that was good. And awesome. actually, Zach was on my row, so it works out. Very cool. So, Zach, how good did his dust look? Oh, I didn't see it for very long. Um, <laughs> Ryan Blue was in between us, so I mean, I only saw Ryan, and then Brad just took off, and that was it. But uh, it was an awesome track. I did think some areas were a little sketchy. There are a lot of like logs in some really fast places where you're... Oh, are you there, Brad? I'm here. Really slick. Oh, <laughs> keep going, Zach. Can you hear me? Yeah, you were cutting said, in and out there. Think... <clears throat> some people thought it was really slick and. Others thought it was good traction, but I mean, I think I turned over to Mike Lafferty at one point, and he was saying how he thought it was slick, and so, I don't know, I think it just depended on the rider for the day and, you know, how they were doing. Right. And what row was Lafferty on compared to you guys? Uh, he was on 27. 27? Yeah, 27. Okay. All right. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but that was just something I overheard. I didn't really, like... He was sitting next to me and talking to, I think, Clay Stuckey at the time. Um, 
but you know it just depended on the rider and I'm sure tire choice and you know how they felt going at those speeds and you know there are some gnarly routes here and there so it's easy to you know get knocked off the trail if you you know weren't too careful yeah I, <laughs> I bet now Zach you got a chance to ride with Brad Bakken on his row, and I'm pretty sure that you guys chatted throughout the day and had conversations and stuff like that. Was there anything after it got all said and done and you're, you're coming home that you were just like, oh, I should have asked Brad this, or what what made his day the best? You know, Is there anything that you really did like off the top of your head that kind of really is a good question for Brad on his, on his experience from the weekend? Um... I mean, I think the the most impressive thing this weekend was just the intensity. You know, you, when you watch them from the media side, you see them take off at each start, and, you know, they're just gone. And then to see it from my view, just, like, how they line up. And, you know, one thing I noticed about Brad was he's just so calm at each check and, you know, almost relaxed in a way and kind of confident about what he was doing. And, you know, as soon as that five seconds counted down, you know, he's gone, and I didn't see him for maybe more than 100 yards, and, you know, that speaks to how well he was doing throughout the day. Yeah, now what do you think about that, Brad? Do you think that – do you notice kind of the, the calm demeanor before the storm, or do you think you're do – you, do you not think you're that calm? Um. Yeah, I, I definitely take kind of the calm approach, so – he kind of hit that right for sure. I'm kind of a mellow d- dude anyways. So um, when it comes to racing, if I kind of overthink it, I get um, like I don't do as well. So I just try to be calm, cool, and collected. And then just once I um, get on the trail, get after it and get a little excited. But, yeah, just try not to overthink anything, everything. And, um, and if I am just like, like joking around with Zach or Ryan or whoever, like it kind of gets my mind off the actual intense racing. And um, I don't know, it's weird. I If I don't think about it as much, it seems like I do better. <laughs> it's right. kind of weird, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if I guess if I can add to that, it's, you know, I understand where he's coming from, you know, from the racer perspective. So, Throughout the day, I really didn't try to, you know, ask him much about, you know, how his day was and setup was and this and that. You know, I kind of picked my times when to, you know, say something. I don't know. I guess that had some substance. And I think it was the fifth test. I said, you know, how are you doing on the day? And he's like, well, I'm si- sitting second overall. And here I am. I didn't know that. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> I kind of felt bad because I was like, well, if he doesn't get second overall, I just jinxed him for the sixth <laughs> test. But uh. I'm you know, that guy. And you sit out pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I've been uh, throughout the past couple of years as we've had more and more nationals come into the South, be it Louisiana, Oklahoma, or uh, Texas. I I choose to ride in the 20s. Um, unfortunately, after my last experience uh, at Concho, I, I have definitely noticed that I have steadily gotten slower and slower. And uh, I was getting passed a lot more this time around at the Concho, so I'll probably either go into the early teens or just back into the 30s. Um, but what I have noticed is that there are a lot of different approaches that people take. There are uh, now that the pros are, are, are now that the guys in the 20s and 30s kind of have all their people that follow them, the entourages that go along. 
you know, you don't really get a chance to sit and hang out and chat uh, as much as you used to. I remember at some of the Louisiana races, uh, I think I was on Russell Bobbitt's row one time, like him and I, you know, we were actually sitting at some of the transfers and hanging out and chatting together where now at this past race, you know, you would see, you know, I got a chance to, to ride off with you, uh, Brad and Ryan one time and hang out with uh, his parents, which was awesome. That was great and nice yep. of you guys to, to kick it with me. But it was like, Not it was, it. it was weird that, you know, like everybody takes off to their pit, if you will, uh, and then kind of shoots in almost at the last minute for it. So, you know, I know it's great and it's good for you guys. It was just kind of like, oh, they're they're doing their pro thing, and I don't get a chance to hang out with them. But you know, as as I mentioned, Brad and Ryan were super awesome and super nice, and just were like, yeah, we're over here. Okay, cool, burp. And then we hung out and chatted. So, though I think that they are at their pit, if you will, it's not as it's not as closed off as it as it may look and feel in that sense. So I, I think everybody's still. The Enduro vibe is still there, even though you can tell the series is getting bigger and there's a little bit more um, a little bit more money, a little bit more time spent into it, and people are really focusing to make sure that the top riders are getting what they need to, to compete at their best. Yeah, definitely. And I have noticed that same thing. It's kind of the different teams and groups kind of have their own pits separate from everyone, but... For the most part, at least I know with Yamaha and me and Ryan and all of us guys, I mean, whoever can come up and just hang out and ask how everything's going. And, I mean, it's the same thing for us, so um, just having a good time. And, um, yeah, and same with you riding up at that race. I was like, oh, cool, I get to talk to Brian some. So <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> In reality, I'm pretty sure everybody was like, oh, my God, it's Brian. <laughs> <laughs> this guy talks way too much. <laughs> uh, I would never say that about you. I would never say that to you to your face, ever. <laughs> well, um, I, Zach, obviously, you know, we this is no direction. We can always kind of cover as is and talk about everything that's going on. But Brad, I wanted to know more about your setup for this year. Um, mm -hmm. I know you've seen your race in Virginia, you know, where you've won quite a few times in the past uh, championships. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And then as well, doing all the National Enduros uh, under the, the Ampro Infab Yamaha banner. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of kind of talk us through that development of the program that you're on for this year and, uh, and talk us through the specifics of it. Um, yeah, well, the main thing um, this year that's changed, obviously, is I'm on the and Fab um, and Pro Yamaha team, like the factory team. So pretty pumped on that just to start the year off with um, with Randy and all those guys and to be able to work directly more with Yamaha and everything. Um, and with them, I am just I'm contracted to do all the national Enduros and everything. And um, I can do other races like here and there like GNCCs if I wanted to or OMAs or anything like that um, but I'm, I only have to do the National Enduros for them okay. um, and then on my off weekends since I've grown up racing in Virginia I love doing those races um, also so still been doing them I did the first round um, earlier in the season and then Actually, where the National Enduro is going to be was this past weekend um, when Tennessee was, so I wasn't able to do that. So 
was kind of bummed on that, but <laughs> but get plenty of racing there when we go there for the enduro. Right. But um, so just been doing those um, two things. Um, but my main focus is the enduros, and then like I've told told you all before, I'm still working during the week and stuff, even jumping up to the Ampro team. Um, just working and riding and training, kind of juggling everything together. So, um, but I mean, that's about it. Just... <laughs> that's okay. Now, uh, I remember that you and I, did, did you know that when we had our hundredth episode that you were actually the rider who had been on seat time the most at that point in time? I actually didn't, but um, once you, I think you put the question on Twitter or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, I've been on C time a lot this year. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was that guy. So it was pretty cool that I was. Um, and hopefully I am again this year. <laughs> yes, I like it. I think you're, if you keep it up like this and that momentum keeps swinging, I think it's going to be. Um, a, a good a, a good premonition of how many times you're going to be on seat time. And it, oh, yeah. I say it that way, and it's not just how good you do. It's, it's about the fact that we like how expressive you are about the sport. You're willing to yeah. share all opinions, not just the good ones, and tell us kind of, you know, even give opinions on other parts of uh, the genres and dynamics that go on in the sport. So that's what makes a good seat time guest. You keep being yourself. Oh, yeah. I think you're going to be on the show quite a lot. Um, awesome. I want to know a little bit more about your bike because yep. you have you you know in years past we're on a KTM doing the whole mm -hmm. Yamaha thing then after that and I think it's you know with the the range riding okay. team and then now on the AM Pro team um, how has your progression from a KTM to a mm -hmm. Yamaha changed and then even more so how has your progression changed with the bike um, into the new 250 mm -hmm. that you're riding because the new 250 is like a wow totally new bike so oh, yeah yeah definitely kind of kind of walk me through a lot of that because i you know you see so many people on ktms now two stroke mm -hmm. four stroke all that kinds of stuff and talking to josh Strang, he loves his mm -hmm. yamaha way more than his ktm so yep ah that's where it's coming from yep um well to start off it when i rode my ktm actually the last the last race I raced a KTM was um, out in Wyoming when I um, jacked my wrist up pretty good um, a couple years ago. So, and it was actually um, Jason Rains contacted me when I was hurt about being on his team, and that showed me a lot that he like kind of trusted in me and knew, like believed in me. Um, so that's why I've kind of, I really embraced like being with Yamaha um, and once I um, got back riding I actually only rode the KTM one time um, and then I picked up my Yamaha and started riding that thing um, and so I was off the dirt bike for like six, seven months so it it was kind of weird because I kind of restarted riding again um, and I was on a brand new bike so it wasn't that hard of a switch I guess because I hadn't ridden in that long like in so long anyways so um, it actually wasn't a hard transition and but then once I got on the Yamaha I rode the YZ 252 stroke for about a year or so and 
Um, I liked it a lot. It was a really good bike, but I actually I rode Morgan Moss's um, 250F when I stayed down um, at his house in between one of the Louisiana races and rode his four-stroke, and I was like, man, this thing is pretty dang good. Um, so, so kind of talked to Jason and um, Keith about that, and that's kind of what switched me over to the four-stroke. And um, my race bike last year, we put like a 290 kit in it um, and GYTR cams and um, some different stuff, like performance stuff, to kind of get that low-end power feel of a like 252 stroke but a controlled feel like a four stroke um, and so that worked out really well and really liked my bike last year um, but then moving into this year the bike is completely <laughs> changed um, pretty much everything's different on it um, and it's a huge difference just from handling to the power of it the um, just a stock power, um, like on my practice bike, is relatively close to what my bike was last year with all the performance stuff on it. Um, so super excited about that. And then um, and another benefit of getting on the AM Pro team, I got to um, test with Factory, Factory Connection for a week down in Traveler's Rest and really got to dial in my bike and um, moto experts did my motor and they do a really really good job that my race bike is like stupid fast <laughs> for a 250 yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool um, and um, just I mean my whole bike setup this year is very very good very professional um, and Corey McDonald's been working on my bike um, down in Traveler's Wrestling, and it's also kind of weird being on that team. The only time I even see my race bike is at the races. I just ride it around a little bit the day before and kind of um, get familiar with it. And pretty, pretty similar to my practice bike, but it, um, has, it just has a little more power. But, but yeah, I mean, just progressively has gotten better and better. And now that I'm on this um, NFAB Ampro Yamaha, it's just badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely rode it pretty oh. badass. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if, I, if I could follow up on the bike, I want to ask, is, yep. does the bike have full titanium? I was looking at it recently, and... It looks like most of the bolts are titanium on it. Um, actually, not not that I'm aware of of anything being okay. tied on it. Um, I know I know actually um, Jessica Patterson has quite a few tie stuff just from her yeah. photo days, and she has a lot of stuff on her race bike. But if Corey might have snuck some tie stuff in there, but um, not that I'm aware of. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was just the the shiny bolt heads that yeah. come stock on it or what, but I thought when I was talking to Baloo in Texas that uh, mm -hmm. he had mentioned there was some titanium on it, but going back and looking, I was like, May maybe not, maybe it is. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, and um, Corey McDonald, he has to spend probably 
10 hours polishing mining Ashburn's bike before every race, so I'm sure it made it look a little tie-like. Yeah. <laughs> it made it look light and super expensive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the way we roll. Yeah. <laughs> Dig it. Uh, but I guess uh, I had another question. I was talking to Shan, Shan Moore this weekend, which for people that don't know, he uh, he's a writer for Dirt Rider and Cycle News. and mm-hmm. He was talking a lot about how he kind of thought that you were more of an open terrain rider, and mm-hmm. you know he was interviewing you more closely this weekend, and you, know, you said that you liked the the kind of tighter woods of this mm-hmm. weekend, how it's kind of like home, and you know, yeah. which do you prefer? Because I know in the past the faster courses kind of suited you, but mm-hmm. this one, you know, kind of changed. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's kind of funny um, when I read some of Shan's stuff. I um, look at and read all of his stuff. He does really good work. Um, and when I've seen um, when he said, well, it it's like a really open terrain race and like I should be doing well and I'm actually I feel like my strengths are in the really tight woods because that's where I grew up in Virginia it's it's super tight woods um it's even tighter than like this weekend um so so that's why I think I kind of excelled this weekend because it was a little tighter um and I don't know I just I guess I've grown up racing that kind of stuff, so um, I can ride that well. And, I mean, I did GNCCs for about four years, so I can ride the open stuff, but the tighter stuff kind of suits me a little better, I feel. so. It's, it's yeah. surprising that, that Shan said that about you being an open rider. Not that I would have thought mm-hmm. you'd be a bad open rider, but, yeah, I definitely would have always mm-hmm. thought that you'd be, like, a tight, tight, wood, tight woods ninja. Like, yeah. Cutting down the trees. Yeah. <laughs> Wiggling through them. Yep. <laughs> you and Mike Lafferty. You don't you don't you don't you don't miss the trees, you just take down the trees. It's kinda like Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have bruises and stuff welts all over my arms from just grazing the trees from this weekend. But mm, it I, didn't stop you. I, yeah. I have those from my wife. She keeps slapping me because of this. New baby! Oh my god! <laughs> so it happens. It happens. Um, yeah. what about your website? I noticed that you have a new website. You keep mm-hmm. it fairly up to date. Which congratulations, because there are very few writers out there who can keep a website up to date. Um, yeah. and it's uh, it's it's not a bad website. Like I I don't I don't want to go. Oh my god! You just don't you don't want to talk. You don't send people to that. Like. It's a it's a good website. So tell me a little bit about the process yeah. that you went through, uh, and and how you kind of came about with the site that you've got. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I actually have a great resource, and my girlfriend does makes websites and stuff for a living. Desiree, um, stop it. Does, yeah, that's like her job is <laughs> she makes websites and does all the PR and stuff um, for her company. So. Um, I've actually had a website name just bradbachen.com since I went to the ISDE to, to like kind of fundraising type stuff. Um, and then this year we decided just to make a really cool looking website. So Desiree just went all through it um, and updated everything and redesigned everything. And 
she is definitely on my case about getting my race reports done fast. Um, I got a text this morning from her saying, so when are you going to send me a email to get my um, race report out there so she can put it up and proofread and everything. So she's definitely got my back on that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm pretty pumped on it. Everyone that I've talked to has like really liked it. It's I feel like it's really clean looking, um, real professional looking. So, so it's not much what I did. It's a lot what she did. So nice. Yeah. Well, guess uh, as they say, uh, put a ring on it. What was it? Somebody <laughs> saying about that? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. So, well, you guys went to where was it? You guys Machu Picchu. Yeah. Where did I see you yeah. guys going? Yeah. That, yeah we went come to on, man. That'd have been like perfect. That's like the perfect place yeah. to be like, oh, hey, here's the question. Yeah. Oh, but no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, not, not quite yet. But we did go to Peru and Machu Picchu and all that stuff, and that was a good time. <laughs> the not engagement part was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I, the way I look at it, that put me off in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. I just she's like to, la she's laughing in the background. I just like to give everybody a hard time on that kind of stuff <laughs> until she yells at you later. Yeah, until, yeah you, really. until the computer that's dead comes flying across the room and smacks <laughs> you in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, Zach, um, again, you got a chance to ride this weekend. Um, how did your bike? You got first in the A two hundred class. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Um, you know, that's especially for all the effort yeah. you've been putting into innovation off-road. Um, tell us a little bit about how things went for you and the test that you, you rode down there. Um, actually, I was kind of surprised how I did. Uh, every National Endora I've ever done, you know, especially in the beginning of the year, I'm, like, barely cracked the top 100 overall, and I think my best finish is maybe 39th at the Rattlesnake. And I don't know. I, I guess I... I rode a little better than I thought, and I wadded up in the fifth section, kind of cartwheeled and uh, broke my finger there, but kind of wrapped it up then to the sixth section, and come to find out, I, I won the race for A200, so uh, not too bad, I guess. Uh, what was Okay, so Brad, tell me your time. What was your, was it like in the 23s, oh, something on. like that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I was like 9.03 or something. Yeah, my my total time, you know, my total time was. Um, I'm gonna go to results. NationalEnduro.com. We're gonna go to results. We're gonna see like, overall. Brad Bakken was a 21:58. 21:58. Then we're gonna oh, search the page for Huberty, and scroll on over. 44:38. So, I I remember Zach. One of the first times. That you and I chatted was when your buddy Tanner Thomas had an email question about bridging the gap. Um, yep. And it was trying to figure out how to zone in on – and he was always in that maybe 10 to 15 minutes at the end of a National Enduro behind you know, some of the, the mid-pack of the pros. He wanted to know how to bridge that gap. So that's where you're at. You're 20 minutes behind a Brad Bakken who got second place overall in the pro class. And you had a – you know, so – with what you rode, what would you assume that you would have to do to bridge that gap from your A200 first place to get into, you know, maybe the top 15, top 20 of the pros? 
Well, I've kind of always thought about it, like, what if I just dropped everything one day and said, you know, I want to make that top 15, you know, take that kind of goal. And there's a couple ways. One, you got to, you know, have great fitness and be able to push every, like, single second throughout that whole section without kind of letting off. You also have to have a good, strong, like, mental mindset, good nutrition, uh, bike setup, a bike that's powerful enough, um, and then just be able to go throughout the entire day mistake-free. I think Brad had said at the Endora that, you know, he didn't fall the entire day, and I know that's what ruined, like, DeLong's day, and uh, I know Grome was on the ground quite a bit, and, you know, to be mistake-free is what's going to take you to the top and kind of bridge that gap between you and everybody else. Okay. Now, Brad, you have bridged that gap. You are, you know, second place this past weekend. From what he said and what you've gone through, is there anything to add to it or maybe anything, uh, you know, extra that he didn't mention? Um, yeah, definitely. The, the biggest thing for me... Um, kind of rolling forward and kind of improving was um, just being able, like Zach said, being able to push the whole entire test and it's actually it's pretty dang hard mentally um, to actually push the whole test. You might think you're pushing the whole test but you're actually slacking off a little bit um, when you don't even realize it. Um, and that's the biggest thing, um, is just mentally being able to push yourself um, to your potential for the whole entire day. And on top of that, not making mistakes while you're doing it. So um, it's, it's kind of hard. You just kind of have to um, do it a lot and put in the effort off of the bike, on the bike, before you even get to the race, um, to be able to physically do the um, last the whole race um, to your full like potential, and um, like mentally going into the race, like have a game of what you um, like want to do, and have like personal goals throughout the day. Um, and that was like this weekend. I, going into the race, I was um, like, all right, I just want to be top five in every test. Um, and then after the first section, I was like, all right, I got second in the first test. And I was like, okay, I'm jumping my goal up. I want to be at least top three in every test. So just kind of build on your results. And um, if you start going backwards, kind of evaluate what you're doing differently. And... and trying to fix that portion so yeah a little bit of that <laughs> yeah. no i think i think what both of you guys had to say was fantastic advice for anybody out there that is i think asking the exact same question that you and tanner asked about you know year year and a half ago uh zach so cool well that's awesome to yeah. hear um do you guys what do you guys think about fly racing and their awesome swag that they give away for the pint full of awesome award pretty sweet yeah, it's awesome. Those guys over there, Fly, Dale, and Max, all those guys, they're 
really great guys. I rode with them um, before this year for um, two, three, four years, something like that, and they're nothing but good to me, so I have nothing bad to say about those guys, and all their products are amazing, um, but MSR is pretty sweet, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that for sure. I just wanted to check it out because we're really pumped on everything that Fly's done for us and for this uh, pintful mm -hmm. of awesome award that they allow us to uh, to give out on a weekly basis, which is wicked cool. So obviously that is a key into the fact that we will be doing that very shortly. But Brad, I wanted to say thank you very much for your time. Um, oh, I yeah. wanted to give you a chance, you know, tell us all the last little bits maybe that have come to your head uh, as we've been chatting it up. And then mm -hmm. uh, I'll let you go uh, continue to try to talk Desiree into letting you paint her room a different color. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, first I'd like to say thanks for having me on again, and hopefully I'll be on many more times throughout the year. Right. When we get um, to episode 200, you'll be the top again. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and um, just... Thanks for everyone out there checking out my Instagram and Twitter and all and my website. Um, it's pretty cool seeing everyone um, liking my different pictures and stuff for the races and everything. So really appreciate all that. Um, and once you get Craig on there, tell him I said, "Hey, Craig." <laughs> Hi, Craig. I say that every time I see him at Enduro or Jeans or anything. So. All right. Well, since you know he's about to come on. Yeah. Two things from you. One, something awesome to ask him, and then maybe something extremely embarrassing that we can bring up. Um, what's something good to ask Craig? <laughs> ask him. Um, ask him about to tell you the story about him and Andrew drifting Andrew's truck at the Florida GNCC. Right. That'll be a good story. Drifting the truck. Drifting, Andrew drifting the truck going into the GNCC this year. So, yeah. Was it the S10? Oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> he may or may not have went into a ditch. <laughs> sweet, sweet, yeah. sweet. I, it's in the notes. Hopefully, I remember right. to ask. Well, dude. Yep. We really appreciate your time. Um, oh, yeah. Continue kicking ass. I know you guys have a, a good month off now, uh, or at least it's not until Missouri is sometime in the next within the next month in May. Yep. So yeah, have fun, be safe, and uh, come out to a GNCC or just come down to Texas and we'll hang out. Oh yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Thank you. Heck yeah, man. Take it easy. See ya. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and get Craig set up in here. Zach's gonna stay on with us and keep on co-hosting the show. And while that happens, I am going to give away our Pride Full of Awesome Award. Yes! I feel like we need some uh, some like parts that we can throw in there. So, you know, what are the, like little, uh, what are they called? Like little audio bits and stuff. Sound effects? Sound effects. We need some sound effects. That's what we need. All right, so honorable mentions for the Pineful of Awesome Award. I love it that you guys are out there putting all this stuff in there. We can't can't say thank you enough to everyone that uses the hashtag for this. Um, again, um, we had uh, Tom, I'm going to say it, Tom McIntosh from Facebook, uh, Pineful of Awesome, when he did the Desert 100. Super, super cool. That start was super gnarly. Um Done one three two on Instagram, which I believe is a Texas dude. Uh, 
I was like, this picture is insane. I was like, dude, breaking bumps are not super cross whoops. How did you screw that up? Uh, I think Steven's got a couple of the pictures that he could throw in there. And uh, it's pretty intense for that first honorable mention for sure. Uh, second honorable mention, Moto Mama 512. Again, I love it. Keep bringing your kid out and making sure that he grows up in this world because it's an amazing community to be in. It seems that not just your boy's having a good time, but that you and your family are having a lot of fun as well. Um, and hers was the, the this 15-second clip of a bunch of pictures of their weekend going out racing and riding and all the fun that they had. So super, super cool for you guys submitting those. Now, the winner was a little bit of a different submission on this end because of the fact that... Um, it was actually from Twitter, so I, I found, I was searching through Twitter, saw the hashtags, and it was actually a, a, a race report on their website that uh, I went to and read, and I was blown away. I was like, that is some funny stuff, and uh, I even put it up on the Seat Time Facebook page and Google Plus and all that. I was like, everybody needs to read this. This is so much fun. So I'm going to read a portion of it. Um, but, dude, yeah, the winner, Woods Bro. Totally, totally awesome. It's woods-bro.com is the website. You can go check it out. Um, on Twitter, he was at Crash217J. Um, and then I'm, it's hilarious. So it's his, uh, the, the crash report from the OHSCS. So I, I want to say that's Oklahoma uh, Hair Scramble Series. And it's called Kanoa 2014. So fairly recent. It's from March. Saturday, I was meditating in my Japanese garden in the backyard because it has the best chi in my house. And I asked myself, what would J-Law do? So I grabbed the pregnant wife because safety first when drinking. I hopped in the minivan and drove to OKC and I stayed in the bar till 2 a.m. I got about four hours of sleep after getting back to Stillwater, jumped out of bed, loaded up and went racing. The KTM was looking swiggity swoot with the fresh, with the full fresh plastics and 1995 retro graphics, and my gear only had minimal holes exposing my thermal undies and knee braces as I headed to the line. All the old dudes were sporting more wood than a lumber yard as I rolled up, and the ladies didn't get it. The bike looked trick, is what I'm saying. Now it goes on. There's a lot more paragraphs. I, I just, it's, it's <laughs> hilarious. I just really appreciate it um, because of the fact he's having fun with it. Uh, I think that that's what somebody should do. Um, so, dude, you're totally our winner for this week's Pint Full of Awesome Award. Reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram, any of that kinds of fun stuff, and uh, we will uh, make sure we get your information and uh, get you all of your fly racing fun goodness. You're going to get the Neat Freak Backpack. I actually wish that I could get one of those. Um, it would be it would be really cool. Um so as I said, Stephen's going to keep trying to figure it out with Craig DeLong. Uh, but up until that point, Zach, um, did you get a chance to talk with Craig this past weekend um, at the National Enduro? Yeah, um, actually, I got I got to talk to him for a little bit, and it was funny. I was walking over towards his pits, and he just says, "Hey, Zach, take a picture," and you know, strikes a pose, and got a quick picture with him and his bike, and then we kind of just started talking. And one of the first questions I had was about his IMS tank, which is on his Husky, which technically, you know, like how Andrew and, um, like, Argub right now aren't racing with them. Yep. But because he's kind of a support rider, he's still able to run that for the GNCCs. Yeah. Um, it, that's an interesting story. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I kind of know the story. I know the story, but I know that you know it a little bit better than I do because you're the one that told me. So tell me about that, what happened with Andrew DeLong at the GNCCs. Yeah. 
I don't know the full details behind it and like what the solution is now, but basically some of the West Coast, uh, I think Heron Hound pictures were leaked with a, was, I think it was Arubrite's bike with an IMS tank, which is from the KTM models with KTM shrouds. Right. And somehow, either through one of the forums or you know media magazines, that got back to Austria, and they weren't happy because that's too close to what a Husky looks like. So I guess the solution right now is that they can't run those types of tanks, and there currently isn't a dry brake for the Husky. So basically, for the GNCCs and Heron Hound, both of those factory riders are losing times in pit stops until they find a solution. And I guess the, the hardest part is that the neck between the frame and the tank top is so shallow that you can't put a dry brake in it right now. Hmm. Um, and I guess one of the ways that it's built, when you go to dry brake it, you can splash gas all over your seat, which isn't fun for the racer. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. So here's, but, it's, it's interesting you say that though, because they got the IMS dry brake in a Yamaha, and nobody thought that was going to happen. Yeah, but I think the way that tank is, I'm not sure. I've never looked at like what the bottom of it is, but it's a lot deeper, I think, where it actually goes in. Um, but the the Husky tank, it's like right on the bridge of the frame, right below like the triple clamp. Uh, so there really isn't that much room, you know. Right. The, the one thing they would have to do is put the receiver above it, which is about four inches and. You know that that can be painful if you crash. <laughs> yeah, that would be a series. That would be that's not a dry break. That's a dick break. Yeah, that'd be a big but, difference. Uh, what I meant to do is go back and look at some of Ken Hill's photos from the GNCC, you know, last weekend and see what kind of tank Andrew was running. I didn't get a chance yet to to do that or even ask him at the indoor this weekend. I was too focused on the, actually those new triple clamps that he had. Yeah, those look pretty sweet. Those are the Necken ones, correct? I don't know if is that how they pronounced it. I pronounce it Nikon, but Niken? it could be Necken. I don't know. I'm just going off of the fact that there was an N, an E, a K, an E, and an N, and I was like, Niken. That's what I that that's yeah. what, that was my thought process. It may not be the right one, which is fine. <laughs> so. Asking the questions, taking those pictures, what what kind of what more fun stuff did you learn about those triple clamps? I, I really didn't get as much info as I wanted. I guess when I got there, Brown they were working on Mike's Brown's bike and his didn't have them on it. So I guess Andy Jefferson, which is now like the head race team manager for Husky, he brought them to the race and they were installing them. Um, but basically, Brown was running 80 PSI in that small chamber, and I guess DeLong was running 120 PSI. And, th and that's about all the information I got out of it as far as details. So, um, 80 PSI and 120 PSI, the difference there in those is 80 PSI, I want to say, is going to give you more dampening, right? more of a supple more. feel where you're going to get less you're going to get uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out like Matt like so if there's more pressure in there it's going to be stiffer you're not going to get as much dampening but if it's if yeah. less pressure you're going to get a little bit you're going to 
120 PSI, there's more resistance, so the bars aren't going to move as much in the triple clamp, where if there's 80 PSI, they're going to move a little bit more. Um, so do these actually have like a shim stack in there that you could change out? I'm not sure. I, I'm, Craig may be able to answer better than me, but basically what I wanted to do when one of the mechanics weren't looking was kind of you know, shake up and down the handlebar to see if it moved at all or to see if actually from side to side, if like one side will go down with the other side, you know, not going down kind of at the point where it kind of feels like it's rowing. Uh, but I don't know, you know, what the actual mechanics are inside of it itself. I don't think you would ever get a row with that because of the fact that physically they're too close together. Um, yeah. The force of all that metal would never allow it to like essentially uh, to for one to go in without the other. Um, you know, yeah. kind of like your forks, you know, it's like you would think because they're free floating that you could almost get, no. you know, you can't really get too much of that. So. No, I think you're there, Craig. Are you in? Craig, can you hear us? I think we got him frustrated. He's almost there. We hear him. It's not working. I wonder if he just it's can't hear us. Craig. Maybe he just can't hear us. We'll just tell him that we can hear him, and that uh, well, do I, I don't have his number in there. Yeah, um, it's interesting though. I I, I think uh, you know the flex bars. I think are are a great product. You know they're not not just fast company. Are they a sponsor of Sea Time? But I run the flex bars. Love those things. It's a fantastic product. Um, I had no idea that these even existed, you know, that these this necking product, uh, this SFS triple clamps existed. And I think it's pretty cool. And it's surprising that it's, I guess they've done such a good job of kind of keeping it under wraps. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I actually picked up on it back at like one of the first Supercrosses when Dungeon was starting to run it. And that was the, I think Vital and Max like leaked the first actual pictures of it. And then I was actually pretty surprised that Andrew got them at, I guess it was like last round to race with. Because normally between like getting a product in Supercross and getting off-road, it may be a year or two years before that technology transfers over. Right. Hey, Craig, I see it looks like you got to a couch. I can see your picture a little bit better. Can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you. Nice. Ah, uh, we can. So uh, uh, we were just talking a little bit about your brother's bike, actually, Andrew DeLong, um, and, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. So you're Craig DeLong. You're 17 years old. Your parents were nice enough to let you stay up late uh, so that you could come on the show tonight. Um, are they in the room right now just making sure you don't say anything stupid? Uh, yeah, my dad's sitting right here. Yeah. He's just, just staring you down? Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, man. He's not there. You just do what I do, and you just say whatever you want within reason because you're 17. I don't need you getting all crazy or blaming it on me if you do. But uh, so you've been you've been doing really good lately. You've been kicking butt in the 250A class in the GNCCs this year. You had one bad race in Georgia, but that's okay. That happens. Um, you got a first and another third. And then this past weekend, you won the expert double-A. Um, in Tennessee. I didn't have a chance to look at any of the other national Enduros this year. So what I want to know is I want you to just kind of talk me through a little bit of your 2014 and how you think it's been going for you. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my 
year's been going pretty good. Uh, first race of the year was a sand lapper, and uh, didn't go quite as well uh, as what I thought it would. Uh, ended up with a fifth and a 250 or a double expert, and uh, I actually rode the last three sections with a, a blown rear shock, so it was like riding a springboard. <laughs> um, actually, when I was riding back from the last test, I was I was able to bunny hop my bike. It was just riding down the road, so uh, I went to, went in the Florida. Actually, uh, rebuilt my shock and. Uh, Went in the Florida and uh, won the 258 class and got the top amateur, and uh, I was really happy with that. Not really what I ex wanted to, what I expected to happen, because uh, I didn't really get to do much riding over the winter. What I have done in the years past with all the snow we had, and uh, came out of there with the first place. So I was super pumped, and then uh, went in the Georgia. And uh, I cracked the reed the first lap, and uh, only was able to finish the first lap. So uh, really big bummer there, but they were uh, going pretty good. And uh, Steel Creek was uh, not a it was a pretty decent race. I got stuck three times in the first mile up to my frame in uh, deep ruts. So. Um, this really wasn't a great day, but uh, last weekend was where it turned around for me. I uh, rode good all day, basically, and uh, came away with a, a win. So. Heck yeah. Um, your brother has always said, you know, we've talked to him multiple times on the show, talked to him multiple times at races, things of the sort, and he's always said that you are somebody to look out for. Um is that just because he's he, he'd rather say that and take the pressure off of himself, or do you think that you're going to be faster than him one day? Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. Um, I mean, when we do ride here at the house, it's I try to I try to race him and try to get stay as close as I can for as long as I can. Right. So, uh, I mean, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, uh, <laughs> uh, might as well try here at home and. Stay as long, stay with him as long as I can. So, um, I mean, I, 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 that's a nice thing to say from him, and I, especially from coming from him, you know, he's he's at the top level in the sport right now, and uh, it's a it's a great compliment. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, I I want to. So you're on the Husky two stroke, and so you're on a Husky. Your brother's on the Husky team. And Zach was making a good point that you may know a little bit more about the triple clamps that he's running on his bike than and Zach does, or even I do. Um, Zach, Zach's been trying to find out a lot more going to the races at the National Enduros and stuff like that. Um, do you have much input with a lot of the stuff that's been going on with your brother and set up on the Husqvarna and stuff like that? Or just because you guys aren't living together as much right now that it's uh, you maybe don't chat about it as much as we hope that you would? Uh, yeah, about the triple clamps, I really, we haven't really talked much about them, you know, I just, I seen him on his bike, the, I guess it was a Steel Creek, and I asked him about how they were, and like, what what they actually did, and uh, he said that they, they helped a little bit with the, with the dampening, you know, when you're hitting the bumps, it doesn't hurt your wrist as bad, and uh, 
just makes the ride a little bit softer. But um, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't really. He hasn't been home since January, so I haven't really got the um, seeing like his preparation and stuff with his, with his bike and how it's how it's riding. So, um, but I know uh, he's been uh, staying with Mike Brown for the past week, and they've been doing a lot of testing and riding and uh, at Bar Hazes and uh, getting stuff ready for, or uh, getting stuff even better for his, uh, his 350 so I can do a little better in the GNCCs. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zach, uh, I know with all the conversations you were ha- we were having about yeah. some of that stuff, did you have anything to kind of ask on that point? Yeah, I mean, one thing I was thinking, and I guess most people kind of forget, but Andrew had that, you know, the wrist and hand injury last year, and I kind of wonder, you know, how much that dampening, you know, will help with his wrist if, if you know, if those wrist pains are still bothering him here and there. Uh, yeah, his uh, his hand bothers him every now and then. Um, he's it's getting a lot better now. He's been doing a uh, physical therapy for a while, and then uh. So it's it's pretty strong now, um, but it it still bothers him. But uh, he's been having pr- uh, trouble with his uh his shoulder popped out. I guess it was uh for the Georgia GNCC, and uh, so he's been uh, using a brace when he rides. Um, so uh, I think that's that's probably the biggest part, but uh. I guess it, it does help with his hand because his hand's not what it used to be, but it's it's pretty close to 100% though. <laughs> Man, uh, it's funny. We were uh, just you know chatting with Brad Bakken, and he mentioned, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, hey, Craig, because apparently that's like what he always says to you, one. And two, I was like, well, hey, what's something funny that we could you know ask him about or talk to him about? And he mentioned he's like, well, this is this is it right here. He said you need to talk to him about him and Andrew drifting their truck going into the Florida GNCC. So, got to recap the story for us a little bit and tell us kind of what went down and uh, maybe if you did or didn't wind up in the ditch. If your dad, who's sitting next to you, even knows about that, I don't know if how much trouble I'm actually getting you in. But hey, you're on the show, so that's what happens. Uh yeah, uh Andrew and I were going to uh we're gonna go to Walmart. The day before the Florida GNCC, um, I needed a starting stool and uh, need some fuel for the for the race. So uh, we uh, loaded up the pickup with the gas can, some money, and we were uh, driving down the driveway. And I uh, I bet him he couldn't drift around this one corner in the S10 because it was a bit sandy. And uh, he had his phone in his one hand and uh, was driving with the other hand and pitched her sideways. And uh, overcorrected a little bit too much, and couldn't bring it back because his phone was in his other hand, <laughs> and it was just like just kind of slowly went in the ditch. So uh, I I was on the passenger side. We went passenger side first, and like it was like the point of like tipping over or staying staying up. And uh, I opened the door up, my door, and uh, there was about a foot of water in the in the ditch we ended up in, so I got my door all wet, but uh, I closed the door and then climbed out Andrew's door, and uh, everyone GNCC Racing showed up, 
that was that was there leaving that night, and they were all sitting there laughing at us. And uh, we finally got towed out by some guy, the big F F two fifty truck. And uh, we got out. We went to Walmart that night, got some fuel, and then uh, came back and ate dinner, and then got up the next day and raced. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think at all that that affected your uh, your result, or is that just that's just par for the course with you guys? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if that really helped my result or not. Um, it's just something that ha- was pretty funny that happened uh, the day before the race. <laughs> yeah, I w- I w- I'm not going to disagree. That's a funny thing. So. Having Andrew as your older brother, I can only imagine. You said you, you're trying to chase him at the house. You're trying to catch him and pass him. Um, it, it, what I mean, how was that growing up with Andrew? I, I can imagine it was it was quite interesting. Uh, yeah, growing up uh, it was just it was a good time. You know, we always we always joke around and mess around with each other. You know, push each other around. You know, I was, always try to be. Uh, be the tough one and pushed him around, but I was always the one that got put on the ground and uh, <laughs> beat up. And uh, my mom would always say, uh, "What did she say?" Um, I forget what she always used to say, but it said um, that it's oh, someone's going to get hurt and it's not going to be me. That's what she said, <laughs> and uh, she would just let it happen. And uh, you know, I learned the hard way from my brother, and then uh, just riding riding around with him, you know, just trying as hard as I could just to stick a wheel for a corner or a whole lap behind the house, you know, just trying to learn whatever I could, and then, uh, you know, just seeing what, just sitting there watching him ride, you know, watching him hit corners, what he's doing different, where he's breaking, where he's getting on the gas at, you know, and I try to do the same thing, and it just and building from, from when I started riding to to now. <laughs> it, you, you mentioned when he was getting on the gas and when he was getting on the braking, and and the the one thing I think of is that I probably brake more than I gas, and that's probably why I'm so slow. It's an unfortunate, <laughs> it's an unfortunate realization to have. <laughs> but hey, um, I'll let guys like you be much faster. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, as I say, one thing I was going to add is that. Andrew always tells me how calculated uh, Craig is when he rides, and you know I think that's you know one reason that maybe you know Andrew sees Craig in a way kind of almost you know being at his level someday. And I kind of wonder, Craig, you know, what's it going to take from you to get to where Andrew is? Like, what do you think you need to work on? Personally, I I think I need to work on my. Uh... Just my conditioning and my overall strength. I think I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm pretty strong and I'm pretty physically fit. I can go three hours pretty good. But it's just like three hours full out. Just like just pinning it to full three hours and it's like a 12 miles. Like like this past weekend when we had two 12 mile sections back to back. Like you gotta you gotta go in there and you just gotta pin it. You know, every all all the time. And it's it's tough to do. It really is. I just need to get stronger and more physically fit. And personally, I'm I'm a pretty small guy, so uh, my size kind of hurts me. So I need to get as strong as I can, so I can handle a, 
a bigger bike that would make me make me go faster. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great insight, and I mean, certainly, I think you're going to get there someday. You know, sooner than later. I was kind of looking at last year's results, and um, I mean, I was looking at some of the finishes as high as. I guess it was tenth overall at. I think that was, was that Michigan that you were tenth overall last year. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my best ride I had in national duros before. Wow, tenth overall, that's pretty awesome. For you, probably were sixteen at the time. Yep, yep. Took a week off from school and went up to Michigan and did some riding. It was it was a great time. Yeah, I'm thirty four. The only thing I've overalled is like the going to a PTO meeting and getting there on time. <laughs> Life, 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 it's its weird. Uh, we got an interesting uh, question in the chat room, and it, it's overall in general about the NEPG, and I think that Zach and Craig, I think both of you guys were there this past weekend, so you'd be able to attest to it. Um, it, it, it I, I saw a picture of Alan Rant chatting with uh, some of the pro riders, and it had to do with the fact that apparently they, it, Alan was asking them to not walk or bicycle any of the test. Um, but it also led me to believe that it's not really a new rule, but it's it, it was kind of a, trying to get them to be like, hey, guys, there's not a rule that says you can't do it, but we're asking you not to do it. Um, so while you guys were there, did you hear anything about that, or do you have any more information that I might have gotten wrong or that you can expand upon? Um, what Alan told me is like he talked to me, my brother, and personally came up and talked to us, and he said that uh, there is an AMA rule that is that you can't walk the course. Um, but they just they didn't enforce it. They haven't been enforcing it because it hasn't been a, I guess a problem. Um, but I guess after Texas and uh, over the since the beginning of the year. I don't know what the problem was, but now they're going to start enforcing it. And uh, personally, I think it's I think it's a pretty good rule, you know, because the factory guys, the pro guys, they can leave Wednesday and get there Thursday, and they can mountain bike every single test before Saturday. And uh, you know, that's kind of hurts people like myself or people who have to go to work on on Friday and can't get there until Saturday afternoon. And they right. Can only walk a few corners of each test, you know, so it's, I think it's a good idea, and it's, uh, it's going to level the playing field, I think. I would agree. Zach, you know, being there, did you hear anything, or any any thoughts yeah. on all that? Well, I kind of observed Alan go to, like, the different groups, and I, I didn't really put two and two together. I thought he was, you know, Melissa and him kind of go around and give each team, you know, the different route sheets, the check-in and check-outs, and I was at Air Group at the time, and he came over and started talking about it, and I guess basically in the AMA rulebook, and I looked it up myself, it says that for Enduros and Hare and Hounds, you can't walk the entire course. I think they use the word uh, survey. Right, yep. Um, so after, and he was kind of telling teams that, like, basically for today, you're not going to be penalized if you walk the entire course or mountain bike it. But basically. Uh-oh. We'll see. If Zach comes back, maybe. 
there he is. All right, we lost you there for a second, Zach. All right, what did you miss? Uh, you were talking about how it actually says survey. Is it okay, survey so in the AMA rulebook, it says that for AMA, like Heron Hound and, and Enduros, you can't walk the entire test. And they use the word survey for that. And Alan kind of explained that you wouldn't be penalized if you did that this weekend, but that kind of they were going around and talking to each team to get their full input on whether they should enforce the rule or not enforce the rule. Because the rule is there currently, but if they're not going to follow it, then they need to do that now. Or if they are going to follow it, then it needs to be enforced. And most of the teams seem to kind of be in, in agreement with it. And I know some other pro riders weren't very happy that, you know, basically to be at the top level right now, you need to go out and walk all those tests if the competition is doing it. And I think it was Ferringer who pointed out that on Saturdays and even like Fridays, the pro riders are like barely in the pits other than testing their bikes. And that's because some of them are out there walking the courses. And he kind of brought up the point that if this is going to be enforced, then a lot more of the riders will be in the pits and can kind of interact more with the fan type thing. Hmm. Um, so it brings an interesting aspect, and I was kind of surprised that Shan, in the NEPG press release, I didn't see that Shan commented on it. I'll have to read in Dirt Rider and Cycle News, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it could change the way things are, and maybe it made the results this weekend closer than they have ever been, but who knows if that's the real reason. Yeah, um... To that point, obviously, everybody wants to go, ah, yeah, I know, look how, you know, Charlie just barely beat out Brad Bakken. He did have a horrible first section in ninth, but then he crawled his way back up uh, sparingly. So, but that's racing, you know. You have to, every, every turn is a part of that race when it comes, especially when it comes to Enduro or any type of racing, really. Um, I think that it's, I think that what happened is, we have a lot of riders now in the National Enduro Series, now that the National Enduro Series has gotten a lot larger, that have been going to the ISDE. And at the ISDE, it is what you do. You go a week early to walk the test because the test is so short. And I think a lot of that mentality, right, wrong, or indifferent, that mentality came back with those riders and so they, you know, then those riders are, you know, as the National Enduro Series is getting a little bit bigger, they're kind of like, well, wait, why aren't we walking these tests too? We can get out there. We can walk them. Nobody says we can't. Nobody really ever said you couldn't because I don't think anybody ever really thought to do it. But obviously, you know, Eric Kudla or Ryan Kudla in the chat room found it. Zach, you were able to find it in the rule book. It's there. It's in the rule book and it says that you're not supposed to do it. So it, to that point, I completely agree with what Craig said that, yeah, it's unfair. Um, the rule states you should not be able to walk or survey or ride the tests uh, for that reason alone that is in the enduro off-road sense of that you should not have pre uh, you know what pre-knowledge of what the course is going to be like um, I do remember uh, talking to a rider at Concho and they were talking about a certain section and they asked me they said you know I, I know the arrows pointed down and to the left and then back to the right and they created this really steep chicane or i noticed as well that where the arrow pointed to the left i could see where where that chicane came back into the course and it's a little bit steeper it's kind of a drop off but it would easily cut five to six seconds off the course he's like what do you think i should do he's like i, was, I told him i was like hey there's probably gonna be a lot of people there 
You know, if everybody else is doing it, I guess you could do it. But if everybody else is doing it and they're getting caught and penalized, then you're going to get penalized. I mean, you have to make a choice. But obviously, those guys walked it. They knew which way the course went, and that was very beneficial to them. And, you know, not, you know, probably the other, what, 95% of the people that rode that course. So it's interesting. It's interesting. And to, to add to that, and I didn't hear this directly from Alan, but I was told by some other teams that they're going to get better about kind of giving out these information sheets that say, where the start and end of each test is, but not only that, but kind of give you detail of what the terrain is like in that test to kind of, you know, give everybody the same information for the day. And I don't think it is against the rules to to just, like, go to the start and end of each test and, like, just look at them. Right. But yeah, it was, yeah it, you're correct. The problem lied in being able to mountain bike or walk the entire test. Right. Um, Craig, this is... You've done a lot of GNCC racing, currently doing some GNCC racing, so I think this will be a good question for you. So now we've seen this in the AMA rulebook. Um, it's been copied and pasted in the chat room, and we could pull it up online. It's on page 54. Um, the GNCC is an AMA-sanctioned uh, series this year, um, and it says for enduro and hair scrambles. Is the GNCC considered a hair scramble? And so if they are or if they are not, if they are, should you not be able to allow to walk the course now? Um, from what I heard is um, they haven't really haven't really talked about it really. Um, Alan did say something this weekend that maybe the GNCC will enforce it, but it's so he said that the the only, the rule for not walking is in for the hare and hounds and the enduros. So maybe they will add a, a rule for the GNCCs, but I think for at least the hair scramble, you should at least be able to walk at least the first mile. Or I don't know. I, that's what I think. You just because like you're you're there with everybody else, you're starting with everybody, and it just makes everything a little bit better for like the racing. I think. Okay. Yep. Update. Yeah, it was that hair scrambles is available to be walked. It's the next rule after that so definitely always continue to read um but no i think it's interesting um i was just talking to caleb russell because since we're going to big buck i was like oh my gosh i've never done a gncc um i like hanging out with caleb russell i was like hey dude could i walk the course with you when do you do that he's like we're allowed to start walking the course saturdays at 1 p.m i was like okay cool i'm gonna walk with you for a little bit and then come back so i can film for steven's race at the utv stuff but you're a GNCC racer. If I get out there and walk the course, what are the kind of things I'm looking for? Like, what what do I need to learn in this sense? I'm going to be in the sports of an A class, AM on Sunday, just getting my ass handed to me by a bunch of faster dudes than me. So don't expect, you know, I'm going to try to take your knowledge and run with it. But, hey, I'm twice your age and probably twice as slow. So, <laughs> uh, What I usually do is, like, me and Andrew, we, we usually have been the, at these uh, races before so we know what to look for like uh if there's like going to be some mud holes or uh some hill climbs or just some tough sections we go out and look at them and make the best lines you know find some alternative lines in case it does get bottlenecked you know you can go around it and uh usually walk like the first mile at least the first mile just like just when you're off the start you can you can hammer down for that first mile and you know, find some good lines and just 
if you get a good start, you can pull away, or if you get a bad start, you can make some passes. So you're up towards the front. I mean, that's that's what we usually look for. It kind of it helps the race out, I think, a little bit better. So you don't have to work as hard to get to the front if you're not there. Well, I think everybody watching the show and on the show right now can attest to the fact that there's probably zero chance that I am going to be A, in the front, or trying to get up to the front. (laughs) It's going to be staying upright in the first couple turns and then not falling over during the rest of the turns. (laughs) So we're going to have fun with that. Oh, my gosh. Well, Craig, dude, uh, how did you get into riding? Did you just get into riding because of your brother, or was there more to it than that? Uh, no, my dad, uh, he raced, he started riding back after he graduated high school, and, uh, he just rode around for fun, then he, he started racing, like, the local Enduro Series at the ECA, um, Zach's come from there, he still races the ECA Hair Scramble Series and the Enduro Series, um, that's where he started, that's where Andrew and I started, and, uh, it's just... He's, he got my brother involved in it and just went from there. I start I started riding when I was four. I did my first race when I was seven. I think I, I raced because my brother broke his shoulder and my parents wanted to go to the race, so they uh, had me race my first one. So um, that kind of got me into it. Um, I was terrible at first. I was... 16th, 17th in the 65 class, and then it just went on from there. Very cool. Well, we're uh, we're gonna be at Big Buck this weekend. We're gonna be doing the KR4 Arrive and Ride Adventure. It's gonna be a good time. Stephen will be doing the UTV race on Saturday in the the PM. It was like 4:30 PM. Uh, I'm gonna be doing the Sportsman A in the morning class. Um, mainly I'm doing sportsman a because I got talked into it last weekend because Trevor Bollinger, he was not going to race the enduro this past weekend where he got 10th overall. So congrats to him. But I told him if I do, if you do the enduro and race, I will race sportsman a and not sportsman B because either way I'm going to get beat. So it's not like I'm competing. Uh, and he was like, I'll just go for Sportsman A. I was like, okay, fine. And so he did. I will race Sportsman A in the AM. I'm going to get beat by all the chicks in the WXC class for sure. That's hands down. That's going to happen. Hopefully hey, I can they, get behind. Those, go ahead. Those girls are fast, man. They're, those top ones like uh, Casey and Jessica and uh, some of the other ones, those, they rip pretty good i'm kind of hoping they pass me so i can stare at casey's bum a little actually i think they're the first row so you start behind them well that's what i'm saying like i hope they pass me like i hope they lap me let's put it that way Uh, (laughs) i guarantee they will probably lap you (laughs) damn it oh let's put money on it am i gonna get lapped by the women uh i don't know i'm not sure about that one yeah may not have enough time I don't know. I'm pretty slow. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Rachel, Rachel Gudis rode on my the row ahead of me this weekend, and I had to push to catch her, and I didn't catch her until like halfway through the sections, and that was only, I think, three out of the five sections that I caught her. So, I mean, that girl can rip. So I was pretty surprised. 
Yeah, it was, they're they're fast. That's for sure. Like they're they're definitely underestimated. I think. Yeah, and I know Casey. I think you know this year she's even faster than like you know where Gudish is at right now. Even though you know she's still building on it, and I mean I'd love to go ride with one of them for the day just to see and kind of put into into perspective you know where they're at, and I think that's one. It'd be really cool to see like Casey go and do the main event because she'd be probably right up there with the A, and I don't know how far up in the A, but I think she could be competitive. Yeah, a few years ago, Maria did the, the afternoon race when Loretta Lenz did the, the double header, and uh, she raced the four-stroke lights class, I think. And, uh, I think she got, like, third or something. So, uh, so I, it shows right there, you know, she's number one woman that, She's not racing anymore, but uh, she shows that she she can race with the guys and do pretty gosh darn good. So yeah, yeah, we've got a, a local girl here, Hannah Otto, um, and she in the Toro and TCCRAs and stuff. She races like in the heavy A class, and she's a top five finisher in that class. You know, she'll win majority of the of the women's type races, and she'll go. She's raced in a couple of the WXC races um, and done done fairly well. Uh, I don't know if she's podium this year. Um, or if she's even going to be able to do all the series, but pretty cool. She's way faster than me. She's way better looking than I am, too. She's much better looking woman than I am. But as things go, as a good-looking man versus a good-looking woman, she's probably still a better-looking yeah. woman than I am a man, so... <laughs> I don't know. You do what you can to live in life. You do what you can. Well, cool, Craig. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Sorry that we had to push your technical limits, but I'm glad that we got it figured out and got you on the show. Zach... Before we let him break down and give us all of his last bits, you got anything for us? Uh, for me, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, just keep up to date with Innovation Off-Road. I'm plugging along. and in The next month here, I'm actually graduating from Penn State, so you'll see a, a big increase in the amount of content we're doing and the quality and just continuing to, you know, up my game and, the level of the company that I've started. Yeah, and we appreciate it. It's a good, it's the good shit. Definitely, everybody should check it out. Innovationoffroad.com. Uh, stay with us, though, Zach, for a little bit more. Um, Craig, give us your last bits of advice before we uh, say sayonara. Um, the most, the most energy that you can muster. Uh, like a cheerleader, just bring it to us. Try your hardest, I guess. Everything you do, you know. You never know who's going to be watching or who's going to be there to, to see what you got. Dig it. Do you know that sometimes when you talk, you sound like one of them J-Day rippers? Oh, yeah. Do I? Yeah, you got the little accent that comes out? Uh, I don't know if it's that bad. I don't got that. You ain't got that? The Massachusetts? I don't have, I don't have the Massachusetts accent. It, it comes out. It's almost, like one of, it's almost like you're trying to hide it, and it, like, beep. Like kind of like comes through every now and again. It's all right. No. It's all right. Well, cool, man. Well, you go to bed. I know you got to uh, go to school tomorrow, being 17 and all. Uh, if not, you probably need to go work your 12-hour day shift at the mill. I don't know. making that up. But uh, thank you for being on the show, and we will talk to you soon, and uh, we'll see you this weekend. All right, dude? Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a great time. Heck yeah, man. Next time, more energy. Energy drinks. Whoop, whoop. All right. Kidding. Don't thank you. kill you. Thank you. <laughs> later <laughs> alright Zach so uh, we have to talk about our fantastic friends over at Ride PG 
Um, if you guys are looking for any kind of graphics for your bike, for your car, banners at the races, fun uh, ribbon that you would like to have, you can do all of that and more through uh, Powersport Graphics. You can find them at RidePG.com. Use the discount code SEATTIME to save yourself money. Um, and I, and not that Zach did this. Zach, unfortunately, went with another company to get his stickers printed for uh, Innovation Off-Road. But he could have called up uh, Jared Bolton at Powersport Graphics uh, from RidePG.com and been like, Hey, dude, I listened to the seat time, and I heard that there's a wicked-ass discount that I could get. I need to order some stickers for my company. And then Jared would have been like, Yeah, buddy, there is. There's a totally wicked discount. And he would have saved money. And had wicked bitchin' stickers for his company um, through Ride PG, which is a fantastically huge supporter of Seat Time. So we thank them. My bike looks bitchin'. It would look more bitchin' if I didn't crash as much as I do, but that's not PowerSport Graphics' fault. That's a fault of my own. So please go check them out and support them as well. Um, and, and one of the other uh, fun bits is that, uh, that Zach and I did a lot of talking with different folks at the Concho Enduro about suspension um, and I think uh, that Zach knows it's important to have good suspension isn't it Zach yeah I mean we had a long a long talk over spaghetti with Adam Kreft and he certainly certainly shared his, his suspension knowledge with us and we kind of shared ours and I don't know. I mean, I think every suspension tuner has an opinion about what is great and what works, and really you have to find out what works for you. And I mean, that's the most important part. And uh, My taste may be different than your taste, and his t- taste may be different. So, uh, I mean, I think that, that was one aspect that I really pulled out of suspension at the Concho was just you need – to do it for you, not not what somebody else says is good for them. Totally agree. And with that, you, in the sense of trying to find somebody that can help you in the way that you need to be helped, obviously you have to say, I love seat time. I want to support seat time. So by doing that, stillwellperformance.com, they have done the suspension on my bike. I've loved it. I've had a lot of fun testing with those guys. And why I think you should at least go to their website and get in touch with them or call them is because they have a very, very good process that I thought was pretty cool. The way that they talked to me, all the questions that they asked and really found out a lot about me, how I ride, why I ride the way I do, and and how to set up my bike uh, and my suspension. Um, So it was really, really neat to to have that conversation with them. And Zach's right. Um, you, you need to find the right people to, to, to do the suspension correctly for the way that you need it. Uh, not everybody needs you know two clicks like, uh, <laughs> like Nick Way does. Um, there, there's more to it than that. And so if nothing else, if you're kind of in a slump, you're feeling like, ah, oh, I'd like to make a change, but I don't really know if I need to, it, it's, it's worth your time to at least go to stillwellperformance.com and, and send them an email, get their number, give them a call, tell them that you found about it from the show, and just chat with them. Um, and you'll, you'll learn a lot more about them that way, and I'm sure that they're going to be somebody that you're going to want to work with. Um, it's a cool process that they have, the way that you can – they'll send you one of their personalized uh, boxes that they've had made so you can ship your suspension back, and it will come back to you in that same box, um, less beat up than you would think it would be from UPS. It's pretty cool. Um, so, But they're, and, a huge, they're a huge supporter, so we definitely appreciate them. What's up, man? I mean, to add to that, and I mean, this isn't really meant to be like a plug for them, but uh, 
I've gotten to know the uh, Dennis Butchuk, who is Corey Butchuk's data mechanic, and he's had great things to say about Stillwell. And you know, just the past few races that I've you know seen them throughout the pits, I know that Dennis is very picky about things on Corey's bike. You know, everything has to be clean, working well. You know, if somebody borrows a tool from his toolbox, it better be clean or you're in trouble, kind of thing. So to hear you know, how much praise he had for Stillwell. Um, I thought it was good, and, you know, if that's some information that can help some other people, you know, so be it. I, uh, yeah. Um, and it's it, and, uh, it's neat that the beta team is expanding. Um, you know, for a long time, there were other beta riders, for sure, um, but it was, it was neat to kind of always see, um, you know, we had Cody Webb and Max Gerson in the Enduro Cross side of things with with Stillwell, and Alan Stillwell was kind of the manager of that team. Um, and now they've expanded a little bit, and they're helping out. Uh, you know, just guys like uh, Justin Sode, he's on, he's riding a bitchin' beta, and Corey Buttrick's on kind of the factory beta um, with Stillwell Performance Suspension. So they they are expanding, and it's neat to see. Um, and and you are that's like your bucket list, right? To ride one of what uh, to ride Buttrick's bike. Yeah, um, and I was actually talking to them this week, and I didn't ask him about riding it, but basically what he said, that bike only has three races on it. It has uh, South Carolina, Texas, and this weekend, and I think a one-hour break, and, and basically said that bike is actually going to get shipped back to California and going to show up on a, a dealer's uh, showroom, and then what happens is Beta is going to ship them a brand-new factory bike that, they actually build it in California, and then they just send it to Corey and his dad. You know, goes over the finishing touches and adds any little kind of modifications that they need for Corey's needs. Um, so maybe that maybe that beta will show up at one of my local dealers, so I can get my hands on it. Woohoo! That would be fun. Maybe <laughs> it could even then make its way to Texas, and we could uh, we could do uh, I'll do the videoing and you do the picturing, and then we'll have like yeah. a good time riding the betas. Whoop whoop! Well, cool. Well, Zach, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and helping us kind of corral all the crazy, if you will. And uh, definitely, if you guys haven't checked it out, Innovation Off-Road, uh, they're doing some cool things. They're getting a lot more content out there um, that, that's good for guys that are just that are just off-road enthusiasts, I think. You don't have to be a racer. You don't have to just be a rider. Um, if, you're kinda, if you kind of geek out on um, a lot that goes on on the bikes and with the teams and the setups and things like that, it's a good place to go check things out. Um, so, yeah, we appreciate you being on the show helping us get all this stuff going the way that it goes. And uh, I guess uh, yeah. too, too bad you won't be at the GNCC this weekend. I know. I've got a, a local Enduro here. Unfortunately, kind of feel bad. I'm, this year's the first year I'm double A, and I've missed two out of the three first races. So it's time for me to catch up and you know kind of put some of the, the media stuff aside for the day and focus on my own racing. But uh, I just want to thank you for having me on and, you know, I appreciate the praise. I'm an enthusiast like everybody else, and I hope that kind of my racer's perspective and, you know, my keen eye to pick up on the details is something that, you know, other people enjoy reading. And at the end of the day, if the viewers like it, then, you know, that's what it's all about. If you're getting the likes on Facebook, boop, 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 it's got to be like a rap or something <laughs> that we should come up with. Not really at all. No, yeah, it's the same way with us. We're enthusiasts. We just appreciate everybody's support, so it's always a good time. So for those of you 
that are still around. We appreciate you. Tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your dads, and uh, you know maybe maybe your infants. Tell them about Seat Time. They need to check it out. The website, seattime.co. That's where we keep all of the archives about the shows and things that we talk about online. Uh, we are on Twitter. It is twitter.com slash seattime underscore co. Facebook, facebook.com slash seattime. That one's pretty easy. We're on Instagram. It's just regular old seat time. Uh, one word, one word. We'll go with one word. One word. One word. We're on uh, YouTube, so search for us there. That way you can subscribe, find out about live events like we're doing right now uh, or other videos that we upload. Uh, we are going to be at Big Buck this weekend, so please, please, please come say hi. We're going to have stickers uh, and koozies uh, to hand out. Um, the koozies will be a, a very, very low price of one awesome high five. Um, for everybody that walks up and gives me one badass awesome high five, they get a one free koozie. Multiple high fives, I don't know. You may get a couple more, but don't, don't get crazy on me. Um, yeah. So this has been an episode 123. Mr. Zach Huberty has been on, sharing all of his knowledge. Um, Brad Bakken as well, and then we've had uh, Craig DeLong. It was funny way to comment about how it maybe kind of came across like the History Channel. He's 17 years old. You could tell he was a little bit nervous, and right before the show, he definitely was having trouble getting everything set up. So I think he was probably just a little frustrated. Uh, he opened up a little bit as things went on. But sometimes you just got to find – you got to help people find their groove. I feel we do a pretty good job with that. So – Episode 123 in the books. Thank you very much, everybody. We will be back next week to talk about all of our GNCC adventures, and then we will take a break the following week after that. So next week, yes, seat time. Two weeks, no seat time. Put on your calendar. We love you all. As always, 